I say this as an extra but don't have it included? Just Ada Wong's butt in leather pants. <laughs> you get to crawl through Vince with Ada Wong's butt in front of your face, and I'm into it. Can you see that area behind me beneath the red tinted sky? That is what's left of Raccoon City. Our platoon is cut off. No survivors found. I'd rather starve to death in here than be eaten by one of those undead monsters. We're both gonna die. Wait, don't shoot. Down. I lost all my men because of her. All is lost. Cries of agony. Welcome to the Crimson Head Podcast. I am your hostess with the mostest, Joe White, actor for Chris Redfield, in a Resident Evil game so very long ago, you didn't even have a wireless controller to play it with. And the internet was just a couple of docs playing about with telephones. But hey, at least I can say I was Chris Redfield during this millennium, not like that other guy from 96. That's right, the shit-talking has already started because you, the wonderful survival horror community, have once again entered our mansion for Resident Evil Wars Part 2, the sequel nobody asked for. Joining me tonight from your Crimson Head team, we have the usual suspects and two new team members. Yes, your Crimson Head team has enlarged, but unlike a prostate, that's a good thing. Expanding Crimson Head into a team of six, we are ecstatic to welcome to the team uh, two very passionate and knowledgeable survival horror aficionados, highly popular and extremely talented community artist. We welcome to the team Jen Von Lee. Jen, you are the moderator for two outstanding Resident Evil actors, Nicole Tompkins and Nick Apostolides, at their Twitch channels. Uh, would you like to give us a quick insight into your survival horror credentials, or would you prefer to lurk in the shadows for now? I don't know if you call it credentials or anything, but yeah, yeah, I've done stuff for them for quite a while. Stephanie Panicello as well. That one flies under the radar. I do a lot of stuff behind the scenes for her. Most of what I do for those guys you don't see and you never hear about. Um, but yeah, you'll catch me on their streams every now and then, relaying messages because they can only do one thing at a time because they're actors, so they're very focused. So, well, that I draw. I'm the same name yeah. everywhere. You'll find me on Instagram, Twitter, all the places. Jen Von Lee, I'm starting streaming soon. If you are so inclined, you can just look my name up and it'll be in your face. And also becoming a permanent member of the team, bringing her extensive knowledge of survival horror. She's built a tremendous following on social media for her erudite lore observations and dedication to publishing the most fascinating mini articles covering the genre. So joyous to welcome to the team, Jill Vallenfield. Jill, what was your survival horror journey that brought you to make for our mansion? My father used to be a huge Resident Evil fan. I know Resident Evil since I'm able to remember. I really don't believe yet that Joe White tells this to me. Really, I'm so proud somehow to be here and hearing you making my intro. And the rest of the Crimson Head team with us tonight, the Oracle Dragon. Hi, everyone. Batgirl. Hey, guys. Welcome in. And George Trevor. Cheers, Joe. Good evening, and thank you, everyone, who's joining us. 
Our two special guest judges here to determine which of our chosen games wins the right to be a god. Fresh from the First Aid Spray podcast team, they've just recorded their 50,000th podcast. That's unfathomable. Sigh and fire button, Steve. I think that might be an exaggeration. Embellishments there, I think. Hello, hello. (laughs) War! What is it good for? Absolutely. Loads of survival horror goodness. Once you remove all the killing and sprinkle the battlefield with some of the most beloved Resident Evil games to grace the survival horror genre, at least. My name is Sai, and with my fellow judge, Firebutton Steve, we'll be awarding points to each Resident Evil warrior during a selection of rounds depending on who convinced us that their game deserves complete global saturation, whilst their rivals' games are as useless as Mrs. Goldman's attempts to get Vincent to leave Umbrella, stop performing those terrible crimes, and just come back home for tea. Your Resident Evil warriors for tonight are... We've got Joe White, who's championing Resident Evil Village. The Oracle Dragon is bringing Resident Evil Outbreak. Yes. You've got Batgirl is fighting for Resident Evil 2. Jen Von Lee is bringing Resident Evil 6 to the table. Don't look at me. <laughs> the ever-illustrious Jill Valenfield is bringing Resident Evil. And everyone's favourite architect, George Trevor, well, they're representing Resident Evil Dead Aim tonight. <laughs> I don't laugh. Well, but the lorry is impressive, really. Sounds like you're going to do a better job than me. Did you you take it on with the George Ammo? (laughs) So the categories for this episode will be slightly slimmer than Resident Evil Wars 1 because we do have an extended panel for this episode. So in order for this not to go on until the heat death of the universe, we've slimmed things down to five categories. Each member of the panel will get 60 seconds to argue their case for narrative, characters and BOWs. Round two is gameplay and innovation. Round three is graphics and atmosphere. Round four is sound design. And round five, the final round, is the value to the series timeline, canon and legacy. Steve and I will be, yeah, debating the highs and lows of each argument and then awarding a gold, silver and bronze, which will be four points, three points and two points. And then everybody will just... Get a point for taking part. Hey, when you gotta go, you gotta go. And there's nowhere better to go than the John. So if you're hosting a public event, you better make sure everyone has a place to go. So call us, Raccoon John, 800-555-8134. Round one, narrative and characters and B.O.W.s. All right, so, Mr. George Trevor, you're up first to argue the case for Dead Aim and its narrative characters and BOWs. You have 60 seconds, starting now. Okay, right, go. Resident Evil Dead Aim takes the Raccoon City narrative and progresses it with the consistency lacking in preceding instalments by introducing themes that contextually make sense with the events that preceded this game's opening on the series' most unique location, Umbrella's floating BOW showroom, the Spencer Rain. We get the disgruntled Umbrella employee, scapegoated with the Raccoon City outbreak, so thus passionately seeking revenge. Yet, unlike the cardboard cutout antagonist from my rival's games, whose monarchical motivations make little sense to the series narrative, Dead Aim's bad guy, sorry, bad gal, Morpheus Duval, finally drags this series kicking and screaming into the modern era, as he, she and they are the most progressive character across survival horror. By the way, what do you get if you take a Leon S. Kennedy and then add personality and charisma 
you get Sex on Legs Bruce McGiven. And what's not to like about B.O.W.'s that mount you and then start some love humping? Yes, that's right. Once you've turned glimmer, you'll never turn back. Somewhere in America, there's a kitten stuck in a tree, desperately needing your help. Time's up! Jesus! <laughs> love humping! <laughs> Haven't you seen what those glimmers do to you down in the basement of Benthic Island? <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, oh, fantastic. Yeah, that was... Do you know what? I'm quite impressed. Uh, Jen Von Lee, you're up next with Resident Evil 6. (laughs) Oh, no, indeed. Got 60 (laughs) seconds to talk about the narrative, and it starts now. You want narrative and characters? I'll give you narrative and characters. You've got Leon Kennedy, you've got Chris Redfield, you've got Sherry Burke and Ada Wong making a return. It introduces Helena Harper, who's hell-bent on revenge and giving Leon a hard time. Could she have told him what was happening from the start? Sure, but then we wouldn't have a story. It introduces Piers Nivens, the young hotshot from the BSAA that Chris was training to become his successor. He's like Redfield, but without the bitterness. Perhaps most importantly, it introduces Jake Mueller, aka How Do We Bring Back Wesker? He was sort of cool. Son of Albert freaking Wesker. Yep, Wesker got laid, everybody. Let that mental image sink in. Uh, (laughs) Do you think he did it with the shades on or off? He got laid with his sunglasses on. (laughs) He doesn't take those. The only way. Anyway, you've got corrupt government, you've got stalking, obsession, mutations, long-lost children, superpowers, amnesia, alcoholism, PTSD, poor driving, and if you like drama in your games, look no further. Sorry, boys, no time. My dance card's already full. Wow, look at that. (laughs) Yeah, that that was pretty good. That was a strong showing. Oracle, you're up next. 60 seconds to talk about the narrative of Outbreak. Your time starts now. Basically, Outbreak is an eight-player game where you basically choose from one of eight players, and partners are based on each different level. You find a way to escape and survive. Pretty much, you're going through the events of Raccoon City through their own eyes, seeing the Outbreak and the events of different locations. You have the characters such as Kevin, David, Mark, Alyssa, Cindy, Yuki, Jim, George, each with different professions, each with different personalities as such. Zombies are common, but there's also crows, earwigs, slickers, hunters, affected plants, moths, G-mutants, leeches, leechmen. A liquor variant, which is known as the Suspended and everybody likes, waspies, tyrant sharks, and gamma hunters. And along the way, you encounter different files, different things to help you along the way to figure out the different plots of the story. In each, in d- different characters, you even get a chance to encounter um, Leon and Claire, but a lot of people speculate that it isn't them. But basically, you survive Raccoon City, you try to find a way to escape each different level, so you actually escape the city or you die within the city due to infection. And you also have an affection meter. So yeah, that's Outbreak. Okay, Joe, you're up next. Resident Evil Village's narrative, your 60 seconds start now. Okay, so Resident Evil uh, Village does continue the Ethan Winters story, uh, increasing our empathy for the uh, the, the continuing, uh, he is kind of the everyman hero. Um, but with this game, we have uh, these grounded themes of family ties and fighting for loved ones. Um, in terms of characters, we have very unique and varied characters. Uh, you know, we all the four lands uh, are are very uh, occupied by very different types of beings, um, which leads to uh, the individual enemy types. Um, every area has its own uh, enemy types that are designed to match one of the four locations that they originate from. Um, this uh, the story does continue to uh, uh, develop uh, Ethan's character, but we also get to see Dark Chris. Uh, you know, who's obviously his, his legacy of time fighting Umbrella uh, taking its toll emotionally and physically on him. Are you sure about that? 
Wrong! Minutes up. <laughs> 60 seconds is not a long time. Batgirl, you're up next. Resident Evil 2, narrative characters and BOWs. It's good luck. Your time starts now. Well, basically, Resident Evil 2 gives us two of the most iconic characters to the series, because even if I am not a big Leon fan, he is one of the most popular characters in the series. Who am I lying? Um, it connects directly to the first game, connecting the Umbrella Corporation back to the Spencer Mansion. We have the creation of the liquors, uh, which is one of the most iconic, has one of the most iconic opening scenes in RE history, and no one can debate me on that. Or I will fight you. We have <laughs> Mr. X that likes to just burst through rooms randomly. And the narrative just improves on the foundation that the mansion incident set up. And it's the perfect sequel to the original game expanding the universe. Without RE2, you wouldn't have any of the other titles. If the sequel would have flopped, you wouldn't have any other of the, the entries in the series. We wouldn't even have a series. What do you want? I'm trying to sleep here. Time's up. Jill Vallenfield, you're up next with Resident Evil 1. You have 60 seconds to discuss the narrative characters and BOWs, and your time starts now. Missing teammates, a terrible conspiracy, unexpected betrayal, and a huge mansion used as a cover. These are Resident Evil 1 main narrative elements. What began as a rescue mission revealed to be a twisted testing planned by a member of squad itself. The characters introduced here will become truly icons of video game media. You can't forget both Barry's hilarious and touch moments, Rebecca's cuteness and still competent attitude, and the trio whose actions will write most of her core Resident Evil plot. I'm talking about Jill, Chris, and Wesker. Despite we see mostly of stars members on the manual only, they're still in players' memories. Stars forever and ever! Anyway, <laughs> the bioweapons we must face have a totally different style from each other. The hunters can easily perform a sudden fatal attack. The Plant 42 is a static enemy, while Chimera is used to attack from above. That was too close. You were almost a Jill sandwich. So, yeah, nice. That was perfect. Uh, well done. I'm on time. Yeah, that's yeah, I'm liking these arguments, guys. Just saying. This is really strong start. Really strong start. I thought I, I kind of got the a taste, sort of a trailer. I was going to say, I like, the synopsis on the back of the case. So. <laughs> uh, as, as I slowly put the case, put the case away. away. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, what we're feeling. It feels like a decade ago since we heard GT talk about Dead Aim. The one that immediately it. comes out to me, I think, for gold is Jill, with a massively strong argument about Resident Evil 1. You could argue that it's the easiest one to champion because we don't have the rest of the series without it. But she hit all the high points of the main characters, but also, yeah, the fact that people love the doomed stars members that you come across. And of course, highlighting some BOWs as well as the narrative fan favorites like Hunter. I got a nice broad overview. So that one immediately stands out to me as gold. Yeah, I say like with, oh, with, the topic, you, really? with a topic like narrative characters and BOWs, you're not going to hit every single thing no. in full detail. And the fact that Jill managed to get nice bits of flavor on all three of those subtopics is, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with that as first place. I also want to shout out Jen because they made me interested in Resident Evil 6's narrative, which is <laughs> uh, well, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a challenge. Uh, I'm going to be honest. So going through all of that, the only thing we were kind of missing there was maybe some of the BOW discussion. 
experience? Uh, I had it, but I just knew I wasn't going to be able to reach it. I wrote a thing with 90 seconds in mind because I thought we had 90, but there we go. <laughs> what do you think, Simon? Yeah, that's a good one. I really liked GT's getting into some passionate discussion about Dead Aim. Rather than, mm. rather than just listing some stuff, which is good, obviously, gives us an overview of everything. Like, really hitting some high points on what makes that aim special from a narrative perspective really stands out to me. I want to give the silver to Jen okay. and bronze to GT. Okay, so I think that's our scores for the first round. Tied for last place is Oracle, Batgirl and Joe. We have GT on two points, Jen on three and Jill on four. Oh, you piece of junk lighter. Having trouble finding a good, reliable lighter? Well, look no further than Flick, the best lighter. Flick, the best lighter, does not endorse smoking for or around underage children. Round two. Gameplay and innovation. Okay, I guess we'll launch right into it. GT, are you ready to talk about Dead Aim's gameplay? You have 60 seconds, and it begins now. Right, Resident Evil Dead Aim was the first Resident Evil game to offer both a first and a third person perspective in the same game. It wouldn't be for another seven years with the release of the universally detested Resident Evil 5 that we would again get anything close with its DLC Lost in Nightmares. But unlike that fleeting glimpse from a terrible game's DLC, Resident Evil Dead Aim offers a glorious hybrid of both gameplay styles, offering both traditional slow-paced exploration in third person, so we get to see Bruce McGivern's perfectly angled butt, and then fast-paced combat sequences with first person aim mode. Now Bruce McGiven's butt is important for many reasons but the one I'm most interested in this evening is that we get to see it because of a fully realised third person that doesn't shove the camera up against the playable character's back like you get with Joe White's choice Bloodborne. You get a plastic gun to wave at your telly and it's the only series instalment you can play with a mouse. It's the series most woke instalment. Ladies and gentlemen I give you Morpheus DeVal and his glorious breasts. Somewhere in America there's a kitten stuck in the tree desperately needing your help. Time's up! <laughs> <laughs> Beautifully said. I'm getting flashback story wars. One, in an impressive way, GT was channeling Oracle then, mainly because it lost 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty good. The deep yeah. breath at the start and then just like continuous speaking. <laughs> That's impressive. Okay, Jen, you're up next. You've got 60 seconds to talk about the gameplay of Resident Evil 6, and your time starts now. If you want innovation, RE6 had it in spades. It took everything you loved about the originals and threw it in the bin. Fuck backtracking. To hell with fixed camera angles and we spit in the face of item boxes and puzzles. Across four separate interwoven campaigns and in third person over the shoulder action, we saw the return of co-op, utilising both online and couch co-op if you have no friends. <laughs> RE5 jogged so that RE6 could sprint, slide, duck, roll, jump, dodge, fire our guns while sliding on our butts. Leon can do a cool twirl while using dual wield. Jake Mueller has a full on hand-to-hand -hand combat mode. RE6 made the world of Resident Evil accessible to just about every playstyle going. We also saw the return of mercenaries. Six is all about that. All about playing with your friends, about you and your buddies getting together and kicking some ass. You can fly a jet, you can fly a helicopter, drive a car, drive a shark, swim and fight a dinosaur. What more do you want? Sorry, boys. No time. My dance card's already full. Nicely done. Technically speaking, it's not really driving a car if, he, if Leon is crashing it. <laughs> that man could crash a parked but, car. But you drive a car during the Piers and Chris campaign. <laughs> Drive a shark, by the way. I do not remember that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I play yes. Resident Evil 6 uh, as a street fighter. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Amazing. it's good. That, that's the only two I had something prepared for. The rest of them, because I just went, I don't know. 
So this should be interesting. <laughs> okay. Oracle, you're up next. You've got one minute to talk about the gameplay of Resident Evil Outbreak, and your time starts now. Outbreak is a unique side game that the second installment, remind you. It came out in 2003, and it was so unique, basically, it was able to be multiplayer and able to be played on online with people around the world. It came with a unique HUD, storytelling, eight different characters with different personalities and abilities, and it was the pinnacle of the Resident Evil series because it introduced us to the internet, like I said. However, there were some issues back in the day when it was first came out, it was due to it being buggy, plus the internet at the time wasn't all the greatest. It has fixed camera angles, following camera, plus you can talk to your teammates for an interaction system. You can develop relationships with them, basically introducing them to like pick up items, grab items, follow me, come here, help you, and all that stuff. Plus you can say their names and interact with files and point out important things and details in the files as well, which also gives commands to the AI to do stuff. Plus, the AI, if they're not with you, will go off and do other things to help progress with the story. If you get them to trust you enough, they'll actually fight and defend you from other creatures and stuff. The levels are different, and different creatures are encountered if you increase the difficulty. Plus, there are hidden look. No way! I'm not leaving you behind! Time's for each character. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was really good. Oh, trust me, I have a freaking two pages of this. <laughs> Resident Evil Tobacco should be released nowadays. It will be so amazing. Everybody wants a file three, but Capcom's just like, nah. It's okay, you can have four more copies of Street Fire One on every modern system. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities, that is, yeah. Well, uh, here in um, in Europe, uh, we ha- hadn't any um, net connection for Resident Evil Black One. The internet back then wasn't the greatest at the time. Oh no, very true. I mean, us Europeans are looking at the internet, going, hmm, that would have been a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we didn't have it until Outbreak File 2, so God bless the uh, the fan servers, I'll say that much. Mm-hmm. Okay, Joe, you're up for Resident Evil Village, 60 seconds to talk about the gameplay and the innovation. Your time starts now. Okay, so w- with innovation, you have the choice of third and first person perspectives, which is cool. Uh, the game offers both action and survival uh, horror elements for a broad range of gaming to enjoy, and hopefully this will appeal to a wider audience, hence growing the series. You have the innovative enemy AI with the Lycans uh, that act intelligently as a group working together to cut off Ethan's escape routes, and also um, they back off away from Ethan to find cover or reinforcements and then to attack him as part of a larger group. We've never seen that before. I like the controls layout and the inventory mechanisms, which feel comfortably familiar. Uh, Again, uh, the game feels like an amusement park and how it's laid out with the different lands to explore. Although you do have to do them in a guided sequence through the parts of the key that you have to assemble with parts from the previous area in order to, uh, to move on. But there are lots of optional areas to explore and uh, to discover additional items and play side quests. And are you sure about that? Wrong. Time's up. Nice. Okay, Batgirl, you're up next. 60 seconds, the gameplay of Resident Evil 2, and your time starts now. Resident Evil 2 basically is the first game to actually give you A and B scenario that slightly changes regarding whichever of the characters you decide to go through. It also gives you the all-important tofu mode, which is the (laughs) first game that actually gives you a second little extra battle game. And it also gives you the fourth survivor mode, which gives you everyone's uh, lovable hunk. The graphics started to get better, especially with the shadow design. They removed the checkerboard gradients with the zombies. And speaking of the zombies, you get more variation of the zombies, including female zombies, which was the first in the series. Um, 
in the B scenario, you basically get Mr. X uh, chasing you down, trying to uh, kill the survivors. <laughs> my brain just malfunctioned. <laughs> my brain has so many thoughts of this, it just blanked out randomly. What do you want? I'm trying to sleep here. Time's up. I don't envy that position, to be fair. You've got 60 <laughs> seconds of thought continuously. It's terrifying. Yeah. Jill, you're up next to talk about the gameplay of the original Resident Evil. You have 60 seconds and it begins now. We're talking about the title which consecrated the survivor horror genre. The best mechanic of Sweet Home, Alone in the Dark and the Clock Tower are perfectly mixed each other to express the ultimate horror. You're trapped in a huge, dangerous mansion. You have no idea where to start to searching for clues. And every limitation you have, like the impossibility to shoot while walking, it's about to fill this starring genre. You're able to play two campaigns which share the same location, puzzles and boss fight. But you're going to face them in a different style of gameplay due to encounter skills, weapons, and allies. Forget countless ammos, herbs, nor clear hints to get puzzles or getting where to go. This is the pure survivor horror experience ever. That's it. <laughs> that was too close. You were almost a Jill sandwich. Nice. <laughs> I just want to point out as well, by the way, that Jill said at the beginning of this recording, she was like, sorry for my bad English. And then she started that 60 seconds with the word consecrate, which is a fantastic <laughs> word. All power to your vocabulary. That's what I'm saying. Like, fantastic use of that ah, word. Thank you. Uh, I don't use any Google Translate or whatever. Maybe because in some words like a pre-rendered background, I searched for that word with my Twitter or X. Uh, I don't know how to call right. <laughs> account. I tried to get some Italian fandom because uh, here in Italy, Resident Evil is uh, very famous, uh, but mostly about uh, horror gameplay and whatever. I really care about the role and the plot. Uh, outside, of course, the stunning gameplay. I love uh, survivor horror gameplay. No, really, really. But uh, what I really love about Resident Evil, it's mainly the characters and the plot. So I'd like also Italian fans uh, could enjoy this too. Indeed. <laughs> uh, where are we starting, Steve? What, what's jumping out at you first? Okay, so first things first, uh, uh, I'm going to get to Oracle because getting all of the gameplay and innovation mm. out of Outbreak and discussing about its online features, no small feat, especially with a game with eight characters and five scenarios. Yes. Yeah. GT again. Yeah, Bruce McGiven's bought a side. Uh, you know, <laughs> about the fact that it's got a dynamic camera angle you can switch between them and it's a light gun game Batgirl talked about the zapping system uh, you know the A and B scenarios Jill obviously talked about the formula the stuff they put all together and Joe bless him talking about the, the crystal maze aspect of village mm. and the different zones like everyone everyone had their own arguments and they're all pretty strong and I really 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 want to ask what you think Sai uh, Outbreak definitely agree. I actually really like Joe's point about it feeling like a sort of like a theme park. That's a really interesting way to describe Village that I hadn't thought about, but it's absolutely accurate for me. So I'm very tempted to sprinkle some points in in that direction. It's a really tight lock between the rest. They all really had uh, their own positives and negatives. I think Gold is going to go to Outbreak for me. Okay. I think Joe gets the silver, but the bronze is certainly that's a tricky one. I want to get the GT. Jokes aside, they did talk about a lot of the gameplay stuff and the, and the things yeah. that it does unique yeah. for me personally. I don't, I don't have to like Dead Aim, but I definitely like the argument. 
That's the thing, you know, I don't I don't know if people understand this in terms of judging it, but we have to judge the arguments, not so much the games themselves. If it was, Batgirl would just sweep everything. And then you can't tell me RE6 isn't innovative. <laughs> Stop bribing the judges. This is the theme of the Resident Evil games, though, Sai. Backtracking. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's on the score sheet now. Yeah, it's officially locked into the spreadsheet. So you'll get points if you talk about characters, but... So I should have picked Code Veronica because it has the best tyrant butt. Come on, guys. No one can argue that. Resident Evil butt wars, apparently. Yes. <laughs> I mean, with the right mods, RE2R and Beach Boy X, just saying. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the medals for that round, four points to Oracle, three points to Joe, two points to GT, which brings our scores at the moment. Batgirl with two points. We have a tie for second place between GT, Jen and Joe, and a tie for first place with Oracle and Jill. A lot to play for. Blood will flow in Cleveland in this heart-pounding murder mystery. Murder in Cleveland. Round three. Graphics and atmosphere. <laughs> Beautiful. Got me a little excited, quite frankly. <laughs> Okay, GT, are you ready to talk graphics and atmosphere for Resident Evil Dead Aim? Your minute starts now. Any survival horror experience will live or die by the strength of its atmosphere, and atmosphere is where Resident Evil Dead Aim truly attains top-tier standard. For movement, running is the default, which then accentuates the immersion created by choosing to explore the Spencer Rain and Benthic Island with the alternative, slower-paced sneak mode. Watching hard-edged Bruce McGiven tiptoeing around zombies with all the grace of a ballet dancer evokes comparison with Darcy Brussels' performance of Swan Lake. Speaking of the Spencer Rain, it oozes sinister survival horror at my rival's games couldn't hold a candle to. We're talking a floating overlook hotel, isolated and lost at sea. Yes, exploring the myriad of identical corridors and passenger rooms in a maze-like scenario is akin to spending a night with Jack Torrance at The Shining's infamous hotel. Judging its graphics in the context of the time shows Dead Aim to be no less aesthetically pleasing than any recent Resident Evil instalment with their textures that on closer inspection resemble the games Joe White was playing in the 1970s. Somewhere in America there's a kitten stuck in the tree desperately needing your help. Time's up! <laughs> I like GT's commitment to shit talk everyone else. No one else is doing it. No one else is jabbing. Just George has got to get one in on every round. <laughs> okay, Jen, you're up next. Resident Evil 6. Graphics and atmosphere. You have 60 seconds and it begins now. What do you say about Resident Evil 6's graphics and atmosphere? As far as atmosphere goes, I mean, what would happen if you mixed survival horror with a Michael Bay movie? Uh, that is the... Uh, that, that's the atmosphere of Resident Evil 6. It's chaos, it's action, it's keeping you on your toes all the way through. It's graphics, very much a product of its time. Capcom were trying to move on and sort of make themselves a little bit more mainstream, I think, from the sort of the, the shadows of the survival horror. Gone are the goth sort of dark mansions and beautiful lined up window shots. And in is, we're fighting a dinosaur with a helicopter. <laughs> We're blowing things up. Things go boom. There's your sound design. You know, it's just, it's chaos. It's its Call of Duty if it had, you know, our characters that we love. And that's all I really have to say. It's pretty. <laughs> Shocks. <laughs> Sorry, boys. No time. My dance card's already full. 
Time's up. Resident Evil 6, all generous in video game media in one title. You know what I should <laughs> yes. have said? Can I say this as an extra, but don't have it included as the thing? Just Ada Wong's butt in leather pants. <laughs> <laughs> you get to crawl through vents with Ada Wong's butt in front of your face, and I'm into it. <laughs> Uh, Oracle, you're up next. You've got 60 seconds to talk about the graphics and atmosphere of Resident Evil Outbreak. Your time starts now. The graphics are those of the early 2003 era, much like Zero Remake and Co-Veronica. Cutscenes are like that of Co-Veronica and Zero Mixed. Locations and uniques about them and details are much like Co-Veronica. The atmosphere is similar to Resident Evil 2 and 3. Basically, you're in Raccoon City during the outbreak. You're hearing zombies all over the place, the moans of the dead, the cries of the damned. And you know that they have overtaken the city because you can also hear the destruction of the city in their way. The sounds of the dead and infected haunt you in each location. You can feel it more during the opening of J-Spar when the zombies attack the windows. You are in constant state of worry, wondering if the noises you are hearing are background noises or something hidden around the corner. The threats of the city are constantly around you, and you don't know where you're going to go. You're just following the instincts of what your character should and should not do. Plus, you don't know who you can trust either in the city of the damned. No way! I'm not leaving you behind! Nice, concise. That was good. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Joe, graphics and atmosphere for the most recent canonical title, Resident Evil Village. Your time starts now. Okay, Uh, so the graphics and atmosphere. Graphics are stunning, especially on the PS5. And the amazing sound design really soaks in the atmosphere. It really gets under your skin. It's wonderful. Uh, it does continue RE7's first person for immersion. Uh, for example, enemies are up in your face, right in your face, not not the playable character that you're disconnected from, which really ratchets up the tension. Uh, I love the gothic slash steampunk aesthetic and architecture. It's perfect for survival horror. And the modeling and the texturing in the game are just top-notch. I've never seen better. Uh, I really love... Um, House Beneviento atmosphere, and I love that. I love that hearkening to the Italian giallo horror movies that are so wonderful uh, from the seventies and eighties. Uh, in that scenario, um, it's overall it's just a big chunk of eye candy to be enjoyed and replayed. Are you sure about that? Wrong. Time's up. Batgirl, you're up next to talk about the graphics and atmosphere of Resident Evil Two. Good luck. Your time starts now. Well, take everything that you got from. Resident Evil 1, and basically just sprinkle a little bit of crack into it. Um, Resident (laughs) Evil 2 has one of the best soundtracks in the entire series. There is not a person that wouldn't tell you that they didn't feel a tense atmosphere when they walked into that police department and heard that liquor breath right as you opened that door. Um, before you actually got that full cutscene. Every single room in the RPD has its own tension. You hear glass shattering that you had in RE1, but amplify it twofold you get the echoes of the footsteps going through the complete uh police station every single room in the in the rpd in the lab and the marshalling yard because what kind of re2 fan i would be without mentioning that amazing soundtrack as you walk out and look at the the night sky peacefully with the marshalling yard theme in the background and the save room song which is one of what do you want i'm trying to sleep here Time up. Iconic one. Time's up. Nice. All right. Yeah. Let's see if Jill could squeeze a butt reference into this. Good luck for a 1996 game. But otherwise, graphics and atmosphere, you have 60 seconds and it starts now. You may laugh about the Resident Evil 1 graphics nowadays. 
But back in 1996, non-game expressed her atmosphere like it. The beautiful pre-rendered backgrounds full of details which lead you to examine the locations as much as you can, drive the player to the macabre atmosphere Resident Evil 1 still manages to transmit thanks to the variety of settings from an elegant mansion and a decadent residence to the cold claustrophobic cave and lab. How about Carter's models? Who needs realistic polygons if the design is so much iconic? The cast is an amazing intro. It was made for that kind of B-action movie, classic 19 <laughs> movies. <laughs> so it was uh, great. Resident Evil, Chris Ratfield, Joe Valentine. It was amazing <laughs> hearing something like that. That was too close. You were almost a Jill sandwich. <laughs> nice. Fantastic. Another really tough round to judge. This is stressful. In the best possible way, this is stressful. I think my RE2 bias is a tingling. The marshalling yard got a mention and the atmosphere of walking around the RPD. I'm with uh, you on that. I like the mention of, you know, the big empty police station and the variety of locations and the horrible atmosphere of the hallway when you first encounter the liquor and stuff like that. So that's absolutely in the runnings. I also really liked Oracle's breakdown of Outbreak, again, talking about the, the downfall of Racking City and not being sure who you can trust or where to go really fits in with the sort of like narrative of the game as well as atmosphere yeah jen's arguments for re6 despite its <laughs> its chaotic nature the fact that we've got a mention of michael bay just to confuse you further you know one of my favorite films the shining gc oh yeah you know dead aim it's, it's like the shining with jack torrance and all if you look really hard and you've twisted my melons <laughs> oh if we had to pick a gold then say where are we going it might be re2 re2 for gold outbreak for silver yeah. But then, see, this is the problem. I feel like I want to give everyone points, but that's not the spirit <laughs> of the game. I want to be nice to everybody. Everybody gets medals. No. You know what? I'm, I'm going to give it to GT. You know what? I'm uh, okay with that. In that case, the scores at this point, we have tied for third, Jen and Joe, with five points. We have a tie for second with GT and Jill. And out in front is Oracle's Outbreak with eight points. She's good at this Resident Evil War stuff, apparently. I do Four. my best. Everyone knows that Raccoon City is blessed with a wonderful bounty of locally grown herbs that can be used in a variety of helpful ways. But we also know that the red herbs alone does not provide nearly as much uses. Until today, introducing Red Herb IPA, a drink that's guaranteed to make you feel livelier with each bottle. Red Herb IPA! <sighs> I feel better already. Warning contains alcohol. Raccoon City Police doesn't tolerate underage drinking or driving under the influence. Round four. Sound design. Late night DJ. It's meant to be Steve's played too much more combat, but yeah, okay. <laughs> ASMR, the S stands for Steve. Okay, so sound designed. Uh, George, you're up. You've got 60 seconds. Sound design on Resident Evil Dead Aim. Go. Resident Evil Dead Aim wins this round for having the most atmospheric and immersive sound designs, including sound effects and scores drenched in melancholic and haunting tones. The game's main introduction theme and save room score, and the terrifying woeful cries of long-abandoned BOWs are testament to Dead Aim's unrivaled sound design when it comes to pure when it comes to evoking pure survival horror. If these tracks were coupled with one of the main titled games, fans would be lauding this as highly as they do the OSTs for Resident 
Resident Evil 2 and 3. Composed by Nobuyoshi Sana and friend of the show Raj Mariah, these two tracks together with the entire sound design bolster what already was atmosphere of a depth no longer found in the series and stand up to anything on offer that my rivals have. You get atmospheric sound effects on the Spencer Rain evoking feelings of isolation and on Benthic Island the haunting tormented cries of long abandoned BOWs which I have already mentioned yes I know I'm repeating myself. Oh did I mention Raj Mariah is on the second Crimson Head Elder podcast? Somewhere in America there's a kitten stuck in the tree desperately needing your help. Some points were made. Some points were made. Some points were made. All right. Okay, Jen, you're up next. You've got 60 seconds to talk the sound design of Resident Evil 6, and it starts now. Uh, the sound design for Resident Evil 6 is like a cross between the Fast and the Furious 10 and Jurassic Park, I suppose. (laughs) What can you really say about it? It threw away everything that Resident Evil ever did. Um, but it made it fun. We're like, we're in an action movie, we're in an action game. The best part of the sound design would actually be the amazing voice cast they brought in. You've got Matthew Mercer, you've got fucking Troy Baker, you've got Laura Bailey. You know, it's just a litany of names. And they bring an amazing, an amazing aura to the entire thing. Other than that, it's explosions and dinosaurs and screaming. (laughs) (laughs) That's a factually accurate statement, yes. (laughs) Sorry, boys, no time. My dance card's already full. Some points again, we're made. We Um, need to say Resident Evil 6, the credit song, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Make my argument for me, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) They all get their own song at the end of their campaigns as well. Mm, uh, It's about uh, Jake and Sherry. Okay, Oracle, you're up next. Sound design for Resident Evil Outbreak. You have one minute and it starts now. Many sounds are reused from previous installments as well as new sounds for certain types of weapons, locations, and BOWs. The musical score is all original and gives you a unique taste of what Outbreak has in store for you in this Raccoon City. There's even an orchestral score for folks to listen to with the uniqueness of the game. You can unlock music in the collection that's featured within the game that gives you a chance to enjoy listening to the music over and over again without having to go on to the World Wide Web of the era. Because back then, the internet wasn't all that really that strong at the time. But yeah, the musical score is amazing. No way! I'm not leaving you behind! Nice! <laughs> Sorry, guys, I needed to say that. Resident Evil Outbreak has the sound effect from Resident Evil 3. Yeah, it does reuse a bit, doesn't it? I needed to say that because Resident Evil 3 is uh, actually my favorite game ever. Okay, Joe, you're up next. 60 seconds for sound design on Resident Evil Village starts now. The sound design is just amazing. Um, It's so immersive and so... uh, um, multi-spectral it, it really just envelops you especially if if you're wearing a great uh, pair of headphones uh you get absolutely absorbed by it the crunching of the snow uh you know uh, the 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 sounds of the the uh um uh the enemies off in the distance and whatnot um the the music also is fantastic it was done by shisaku uchiyama who was the composer of village uh, i'm sorry he of course he composed village that's some game we're talking about um, but he composed for uh, e, uh, RE2, RE2 Remake, Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil Damnation, and was the lead composer for, um, uh, oh, what was it, Resident Evil Remake 2002. 
uh, the game that I was in. Uh, he often uses synthetic instruments to produce deep atmospheric sounds. Um, just wonderful. Are you sure about that? Wrong! Time's up. All right, cool. Batgirl, you're up. Sound design for Resident Evil 2. You have 60 seconds starting now. I mean, once you um, set foot outside of, of into the city, all you hear is the moaning cries of the zombies. But you set foot in the RPD, you get the echoes of your footsteps just walking around. But at the same time, the soundtrack actually includes certain sounds that make you believe that there's something breaking through into the actual police station. You have... One of the most iconic soundtracks, again, like I mentioned, the Save Room song is one of the most iconic ones in the complete series. And we can't talk about Resident Evil 2 without talking about the amazing voice actors that actually improved on from what they did in RE1. It was still campy as hell, but it was an improvement over what we got with Resident Evil 1. What are you saying? Well, (laughs) you did the remake. I'm talking about Resident Evil 1. I got it. <laughs> what do you want? I'm trying to sleep here. Time's up. This was mostly because the original uh, dubbing from Resident Evil 1 uh, used to be in Japanese, yep. and only a second later, the Mikami, it was Mikami, that decided that Resident Evil take place uh, in America, so <laughs> it needs to be in English. Resident Evil 2 is? <laughs> Mikami had nothing to do with it. <laughs> You guys wanted me to bat for my game, I am. I love it. <laughs> cool. Jill, you're up next. Sound design for the original Resident Evil. Your one minute starts now. There are some audio features we take for granted nowadays, like steps sound differently depending on which ground you're walking on, or the several creaks of different doors. Resident Evil 1 already had a brilliant sound design for its age, and the soundtrack... Well, some of them became truly iconic for Survivor Horror due to the gloomy tune and the sense of anxiety they were able to communicate. Do you all remember the feeling you had once the picture fell after got from the Crandall to Grave Puzzle, right? Or when you reached the basement? I mean, the original soundtrack, don't the doll shock one, of course. (laughs) (laughs) These disturbing melodies make you wonder if you're doing the right thing, like the puzzle I mentioned before, and they're able to get anxiety every time you discover a new area. That's what horror tunes are made for. Here, that's it. That was too close. You were almost a Jill sandwich. Fantastic. (laughs) Thank you. Not to show my hand too early, but woo. Only one of us did our homework, and I'm wondering which one of us it was. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I did it, but... Maybe it's just that we've done this long enough now where I'm really starting to pick out what I like, but I actually have my three, I think. I've got my eye on my three. Okay. Uh, You Um, you want to tip your hand? I won't necessarily tell you what order. We can certainly debate that, but the things that stand out, uh, the arguments that stood out most to me were actually the last three that we heard, RE6, RE1, and Village. RE2 was also really, really good, I have to say, but the last three, I think, have pipped it for me. This is who gets the gold. You had me with Jill when she started talking about the way that they engineered different sounds or different areas, and then touching on the basement theme and not the clowns yes. farting in a basement theme. Uh, like, you needed was... to say that. You did. I also <laughs> loved the, the description of, like, you're not sure if you should be here. That's so appropriate for that piece of music. 
the voice actors as well is absolutely right me with re6 everyone remembers just the trailer where chris yells i lost all my men because of her one of the best line readings in the entire series for me it's easy to give points to village in some aspects because it is such a recent game but they mm-hmm. did do an incredible job with the sound design joe's oh, correct and highlighted line, so many yeah so many parts of it that just crunching through the snow in particular i remember that was something we were all just looking forward to doing and mm, it pays yeah. off in the game so that's why i picked who i picked until joe came out swinging to talk about that diegetic sound in village mm. for me it would have been jill jen and then batgirl i'm sorry yeah. oracle you did great as well but the reason i'll pick batgirl is because they talked about how the soundtrack itself has like fake outs and stuff mm. <laughs> everyone's doing such a good job <laughs> Oh, right. No. Okay. Right. For certain, I think Jill's got the gold. Okay. That's fine with me. I I will then, I'm going to be, I'm going to be harsh a bit. Although Jen does bring a great argument. A lot of it was listing out A-class talent. Oh, okay. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) Do you know what? You make some good points about what Batgirl said about the fake out stuff in RE2. Okay, so the end of that round has actually put us at a really interesting set of scores. Uh, Jen is in last place with six points. (laughs) Next, we have GT with seven. Then we have a tie, Batgirl and Joe with eight points. Oracle has nine, and in the lead is Jill with ten. So it's all quite tight still. There is one more round to play, though. I see how it is. I see who the favourite new new member is. <laughs> the thing is, though, Jen, Jill Vallenfield brought with her one of the greatest video games of all time, created by the godfather of survival horror, and you brought Resident Evil 6. Shut up! <laughs> you leave RE6 alone. Thank you. <laughs> she got a point. The company that cares the most for every man, woman, and child on the planet. Umbrella. They've connected you to the world with their internet and telephone services. They've kept you healthy with their top-of-the-line medicine. And now, they wish to power your homes. Umbrella Electric Power we make life better. Round 5.1. Shit talking. No, um... (laughs) Final round. Value to series and legacy. Okay, George, value to the series legacy and canon of Resident Evil Dead Aim. You have 60 seconds and your time starts now. Okay, so Resident Evil Dead Aim was the last instalment to limit ammo with a scarcity that creates pure terror. Not for another 14 years with the release of Resident Evil 7 would it be that players could once again enjoy an imperative ingredient for survival horror, the need to conserve ammo. Count them with me, Resident Evil 4, 5 and 6, not a single survival horror title among them, and the fans universally agreed all those games suck. Resident Evil Dead Aim was the last genuine survival horror game in the series and the last one to deal with the virus narrative thread in a meaningful way. We get the glorious marriage of the TNG viruses with spectacular biological consequences unleashed by that concoction, a fitting conclusion to story threads that have since become so repetitive and consequently boring. Resident Evil Dead Aim progressed the series with modern gameplay whilst keeping hold of all the traditional yet vital ingredients for survival horror in a way that Resident Evil 4 could only dream Somewhere in America, there's a kitten stuck in the tree, desperately needing your help. Time's up. Really good. 
not to seed any thoughts in your mind. The argument is what matters. Not necessarily truth or anything like that. <laughs> I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Oh, I'm so excited. Jen, you've got 60 seconds to talk up the value to the series and legacy of Resident Evil 6. Your time starts now. Resident Evil 6 absolutely has value within the series because without it, Capcom would never have been prompted to completely rethink and reboot the series in an entirely new form with RE7, which went on to become one of the most popular RE titles and horror games of all time. RE6 features some of the craziest performances in the series with an outstanding and accomplished cast, and of course it sports Resident Evil's greatest love story ever told. You heard me, Chris and Piers, you could cut that sexual tension with a knife. <laughs> Piers saves the captain himself, then saves then saves him from a what from a world-ending B.O.W. by sacrificing himself, and don't tell me that isn't romantic. And if anything, it's the most human we've gotten to see any of our beloved main characters be. Yeah, it's it's not it's not perfect, but it's a good fucking time, and it's a it's it's a good time with characters that we love, and you know you get to see them live a bit and be miserable. Plus, it features some of the most iconic moments in the series with Leon and Chris facing off. Sorry, boys, no time. My dance card's already full. Thumbs up. I no. think you made the correct point. Yeah. <laughs> Back to 2012, it was amazing seeing Chris and Leon fighting each other for the first time. Yeah, that's an iconic moment, and you can't take that away. Oracle, you're up next. Value to the series, the legacy of Resident Evil Outbreak. Your time starts now. Outbreak is important because it not only helped Capcom learn how to fix their mistakes with the multiplayer, and plus the improvements of playing online with other people, it's also a canon to the series as it influences future games and recollects the events of RE1. A lesson from the game is even referenced in RE7 and is suggested by many as the unnamed newswoman from Revelations 1 and 2, as she looks exactly like Alessa. Yoko's ending going to court against Umbrella is the shows the events of what happened to Raccoon City plus what happened to Umbrella. It also influences the future games with what transpired for the characters and their stories. The survivors of Raccoon City are widely respected, feared, and honored as influenced when people find out Claire sharing Leon survived Raccoon City. People tend to get a little bit paranoid with people who survived the city. And besides with the improvement of multiplayer and online, Capcom has now given us the ability to play multiplayer! Play with your friends! All thank you to Outbreak. No way! I'm not leaving you behind! Nice. Okay, Joe, you're up. Resident Evil Village's value to the series and legacy, and it starts now. Well, the value to the series and the ever-expanding uh, timeline in the canon is uh, RE Village is the first time the series has designed a genuine open-world environment. Uh, and I think, um, you know, just to, to remain competitive with the, 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 the trend in games these days, that's really important. It's an important place for Capcom to take the, the series. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, success, Village shipped over 3 million units in the first four days of release, making it the third fastest selling title in the series. Um, and Village continues the more varied gameplay and expanded exploration so the series can continue to find more gamers, uh, ever growing the audience for further success. And um, I hope that I'm a part of that future. Are you sure about that? Wrong! Fantastic. Bango, you're up. Value to series and legacy of Resident Evil 2. You have 60 seconds starting now. Resident Evil 2 is basically the perfect sequel to the original. It gave us two of the most iconic characters to the series, which ended up being protagonists in several other installments of the game, plus different movies. 
It gives us the best value to the canon because it connects the mansion incident to the actual corporation itself. And it shows how that corporation got greedy and it destroyed the entire city on its because of their uh, greed. It also adds an, a complete connection to Ada. It gives her a backstory connecting back to John, the researcher in the original game, if you go through the files and you read through the files in the original game. And it also gives us one of the most iconic characters in Resident Evil history, Hunk. And no one can debate that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? I'm trying to sleep here. Good stuff. Right, you know. It's true. Uh, Resident Evil 2A, it's an amazing sequel. It's one of the best. Jill, you're up. Resident Evil 1996. You're low down on the value to the series Legacy and Canon, starting now. Despite this isn't the beginning of Sarah plot, Mansion Incident is the core of all following main events, especially till Resident Evil 5. Jill Chris and the Wesker sections linked to Umbrella will influence some other characters' stories as well, like Claire's one who starts her journey for searching for her brother Chris. Another example is how Jill's decision to stay to Raccoon City to a mission incident will determine even Uroboros project 11 years later. About Resident Evil Rebirth, you may think it replaced all the Resident Evil 1 canon event, but you're wrong. Thanks to Lost in Nightmares, we are able to discover there are some features which make original game official, like from the cradle to grave puzzle. In Resident Evil 1 is about uh, painting, while in Resident Evil Rebirth is uh, mosaics? In Lost in Nightmare, Jill mentions about uh, this uh, puzzle, but uh, she says about uh, paintings, not just squares. So, yeah, Resident Evil 1, uh, 96, uh, has still canon stuff. That was too close. You were almost a Jill sandwich. Mm. There you go, I just learned something. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad to help somehow. It's my job here. <laughs> <laughs> She's on our team. Oi. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I'm searching for everything that to lead me to uh, the canon Resident Evil 1 uh, route. And so uh, Lost in Nightmare uh, has uh, very um, several details about that. Uh, isn't there a reference to the shotgun trap, like the lowering ceiling? Is that oh, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Jill Sandwich, like right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The final judgment. <laughs> I appreciate we've been invited on to be fair, do our due diligence, but I'm also like, oh, it's so difficult, Sai. <laughs> <laughs> there was really good arguments across the board, I think. So this is actually probably one of the toughest ones. What I will say is the argument is what's important, not our opinion on the game. What's so funny about Dead Aim and George's argument is that when you play Dead Aim, you could basically avoid every enemy encounter by just running around it. It poses no threat. But his argument, his passion for how it was the sort of last point of that part of the series history with ammo conservation, if you were choosing to fight everything and all those various aspects, uh, stirred my soul a little bit. So no matter what I think about Dead Aim and whether or not he's correct... I certainly appreciate what he had to say from his point of view. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of Bruce McGiven's neck. <laughs> uh, no, that's not part of the argument, Stephen. That's not part of the argument. But I talking about the iconicness of Leon and Claire and how yes. it was built upon the foundations of RE1. And mentioning Hunk, obviously, everyone's favourite side character. These are characters obviously still, still relevant now. 
Jen, even, talking about how certain things have happened and, like, you know, the, the tent-polling all the things that Resident Evil should never be again, while also putting together certain character moments we don't see ever again, or at least they happen here first, like yes, Chris. I was going to say, yes, like, this is setting the precedent for Chris and Leon, which we still see as of 2023 in Death Island. It began here. That was a very good point. And then we go to Oracle. She's talking about basically how Alyssa seems to have been elevated to every time we see a blonde journalist ever. It's probably her. That's the legacy of outbreak. Uh, In a fun way. I don't mean a dismissive way. And quite rightfully, this being the kicking off of Resident Evil multiplayer in a big way. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Yeah, good points. RE2 is really high up. It was a really good argument about, you know, Leon and Claire. And RE6 was a good argument. RE1 as well, we all kind of admitted, oh yeah, we learned something about that. It doesn't get talked about enough that the original RE1 still gets, the odd little bit from it still comes through to this day. It's not been completely overwritten. As divisive as some of those lines probably are, they're frequently used in met references and memes to Jill's very Yeah, very true. If you put me on the spot, Si, right now, what I'm looking at is (laughs) Batgirl, Jen, GT. Those are the three that come to me. Me too. It's, It's just putting in what order. This is the way I see it. I think GT's going to be the bronze. I think Jen is the silver and Batgirl gets the gold. That's the way that I'm looking at it, personally. Are you comfortable with that? Are we feeling happy with that? Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, the final season. Something to behold indeed. So, tied for last place between three people with nine points. <laughs> you can all commiserate together. <laughs> is GT, Jen and Joe. So well done to all you guys. You did a very valiant effort indeed. Nine points is certainly nothing to be sniffed at. And you all earned your own fair share of medals, as it were. You got a bronze for every round except one GT. So you've got a lot of medals to wear, just not the best kind. <laughs> <laughs> the scores are so tight that you, all you guys coming in last only missed out by one point. Because in third, with ten points, is the Oracle Dragon and Resident Evil Outbreak. So that leaves Batgirl and Jill with RE2 and RE1 in our number two and number one spots. And again, a point between them and a point Mm. between third place, second place and first place. This is how close it was. Our winner for Resident Evil Wars 2 with 12 points is Batgirl with Resident Evil 2. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Well done to everyone. Well, congratulations to Batgirl, a worthy winner with her beloved Resident Evil 2, and to all the other Resident Evil warriors, sorry, but your games sucked. You can find us all over the interwebs just by searching Crimson Head Survival Horror, including YouTube, where we'll be uploading our Welcome to the Team streams for Jill Fallonfield and Jen Von Lee, with special guests Nicole Tompkins and Nick Apostolides. We'll also be releasing Dead Space and The Last of Us podcasts with some very special guests you won't want to miss. So please follow the podcast to be instantly notified of all of our survival horror shenanigans with a capital SH. All that is left is to thank our illustrious judges, Firebutton Steve and Cy from the First Aid Spray Team, and to wish you, the beautiful survival horror community, a fond farewell until next time. From your Crimson Head team, myself Joe White, George Trevor, the Oracle Dragon, Batgirl, Jen Von Lee, and Jill Valenfield, make for that mansion, and we'll see you on the next Crimson Head podcast. 